Hello to all our listeners. Today we will be studying Al-Khotis Rabi'ah, the 12th chapter, which deals with um, relations with Goyot, non-Jewish women, um, Shifahot, who are um, female slaves, or um, and Bi'at Gerim Bakahalim, the um, entrance of proselytes into the, um, the, the Jewish, into Judaism. Halakha Aleph. Yisrael Shibal Goya Mishir Homo Terech Ishut, O Israelit Shinibala Leroy Derech Ishut, Halelu Lochim in a Torah Shinema, Lotit Hatin Bam, Ehachibama mean, Vehakula Mot, Besurze, a Jew who had relations with a Goya, with a non Jewish woman from, from any of the other nations. Um, in the manner of Ishut, and we'll see what the difference between Derech Ishut is. And derech zenut. Derech ishut is in a sen- in the sense of um, marital, so to speak, marital style relations. Derech zenut is um, more in, um, more in tuned with um, uh, unmarital style relations, extramarital relations. Okay, relations that don't include um, the. Relationship that a man and a woman you that are married usually have, okay. So a Jew that had relations with a woman in ishut, which is like marital, or a, Jew, a woman that had relations with a non a Jewish woman that had relations with a non Jewish man, ishut, they receive malkut. Um, from scriptural law, as it says in the Torah, you shall not marry. In them, or intermarry with them, and this includes within it either one of the seven Canaanite nations that we were um, that we were um, uh, t- t- told t- told to conquer, or that we were in fact precepted to conquer, conquer, or any of the other nations. Um, as it says, and as it says in the book of Ezra, not in the book of Ezra, in the book of Nehemiah, which is part of the book of Ezra, and that we shed, shall not give our daughters to the um, uh, people of the, the, the country, the non-Jewish people around the country, or um, nations of the that are around, and they shall not give their daughters to our sons. And from scriptural law, the only um, disallowance of relations with a Goya, and this, again, I'm saying scriptural law because, uh, yeah, obviously from the rabbinic law, it is completely and utterly improper and disallowed. From scriptural law, the disallowance is only derech hatnut, is only in the way of marriage in the sense of marital relations however somebody who has extramarital relations with a goya in other words not in uh, in in no um in no in no regular basis manner um he get, he receives from the rabbinic law a makat mardut which is equivalent to to malkut in scriptural law and this is a decree so that he doesn't end up um, intermarrying with Goyot, that we don't have intermarriages. Um, 
However, if somebody had, re- had relations with her, um, prostitutive relations on a re- with this woman on a regular basis, um, then he is liable for these relations as though he ha- had um, as though she was nida, which is a tar- which is a serious transgression, and shifha, which is also a transgression, and the goya, and a zona, which is a prostitute. All these, all these, the rabbis held him liable for for transgressing. If he has relation, regular relations with this woman that is non-Jewish, um, in a extramarital manner. However, if he didn't um uh, have you know have regular relations with this woman, but rather she they they ended up um. Uh, Having relations in a um, arbitrary manner, then he only is liable for having relations with the goya, and all these um, uh, previously mentioned li- things that a person is liable for are from rabbinic law, not from scriptural law. In what case are we talking when the male, when the person, the male was a Jew, Abel Kohen was a Jew from. Israel from the um uh, that was not a Kohen. However, Abal Kohen Abal Goya Lokem in a Torah Mishum Zona Yahadzona Goya Dehadona Israelit. However, a Kohen that has relations with a non Jewish woman has it receives Malkut, and again I will explain one last time Malkut is a lashing, okay, and from here on out, when I say Malkut or Makat Mardut, I'm talking about lashing. The only difference between Malkut and Makat Mardut is that Malkut is from scriptural law, while lashing, while Makat Mardut is from um, rabbinic law. So he receives Malkut this Kohen if he has relations with a Goya, um, as though he had relations with a Zona, with a uh, pr- prostitute. And the same law is for somebody who has relations with a non Jewish or Jewish. Um, and just um, uh, and from the moment he has relations with her, he, he has malkut, um, because she has no, there's no way to do kiddushin on her. Normally, if you were to do kiddushin on her, you'd have malkut also, but because it, there's no way for him to do kiddushin because she's non-Jewish, then he is liable for that. Somebody has relations with a woman, rather in a marital manner or in a non-marital manner, um, uh, the goya, and he does it in public. While ten or more Jews witness him doing this, um, and kanaim, which are um, uh, I would say extra zealous people. Um, see him doing it and they kill him as a result of doing it in public um, they are Mishubahin Uzrizin we consider them to be um, uh, great and quick and this law of of the extra zealous people that want to kill the person while he's doing the action um, in public in the eyes of ten Jews is halachal Moshe Mishinai is all the way from Moshe Rabbeinu Har Sinai. And the um, greatest proof for this, and the proof for this, is what Pinehas did with Zimri bin Salu, which we all know. Zimri bin Salu and uh, Kozbi Batsur, 
they had relations in public, and Pinchas um, killed them in public. And the and the Kanai is only allowed to kill them um, while they're in the act and they're doing the act. As was done with Zimri in Parashat Qobataha. As it says in the Pasuk that he, he literally stabbed the woman in her um, uh, reproductive where the reproductive organs were. However, if they stopped having relations before he had a chance to kill them, um, he may not kill the people in their act um, because they're not in the midst of the act. And if he kills them, then he has a death penalty for doing so. And if somebody, one of, the, one of these extra zealous people, uh, or I'm, I'm using the word extra zealous, but can I really, literally translated means um, uh, je- jealous, somebody jealous um, to the laws of the Torah. So he, so to speak, he, he's, he's um, very much annoyed or very much angry that people are doing such serious transgressions in, in a public forum and he gets and he does what he does um uh, but again so so and it, okay so now um and i'm obviously i'm not making halakha lima'aseh here this is harambam um i'm explaining harambam halakha lima'aseh i'm not making here halakha lima'aseh meaning i'm not telling any of you what to do i'm just reading the halakha so now, if the kanai, if this person, that's a, I'm just going to use the Hebrew word kanai because I think it's, uh, I can't even find this, the right word to translate it. So if the kanai comes and asks the court for permission to kill these people while they're in the act of, um, uh, in, in their promiscuous act, the bedin do not tell him to in fact kill, but rather they can't say anything. They don't say anything. And Morinlo, they keep quiet. Um, even though it's in the midst of the act, even though and even though if he were to kill them, he would be doing a good act. And moreover, if while in the midst of the act, the actor, the, the person in doing the promiscuous act, is about to be killed by one of these kanaim. And he stops doing the promiscuous act and kills his killer, kills the person that's after him to kill him. He, the person engaging in the promiscuous act, is not liable for killing the person that was coming to kill him. As we know the famous law, somebody coming to kill you, um, get up and kill him before he kills you. And this kanai, therefore, doesn't get um, punished for killing the person that wanted to kill him. For uh, Sorry, this person... Act, doing the promiscuous act does not get killed for killing the kanai that wanted to kill him for doing the promiscuous act in public. Even though the kanai was doing, was was not necessarily doing something not allowed, we still um, do not punish the actor, the, the person engaging in promiscuous activity for killing him. And somebody that has relations with the daughter of a... Um, Gertoshav, Gertoshav is a proselyte, but not exactly a proselyte. Is, is, is somebody who lives in, in a non-Jew who lives in Israel, um, but and performs the seven Noahide laws. Um, and so, a daughter of such a man, the Kanaim, the Kanaim don't. Uh, and somebody has relations with this type of with the daughter of such a man in public. The Kanaim do not 
can do not have permission to kill him. However, he does receive makat mardut. Now, in a case in which a person has the, the engages in this promiscuous activity in public, the, and the kanaim did not kill him, and he did not receive malkut in the bedin, his punishment is mentioned specific, explicitly in the words of the tradition, that he is, in fact, nikhrat, that he has karet, that he gets cut off from the world to come. As it says in the, paru, in the Pasuk, in the book of Malachi, Kodesh, it says here, et kodesh, but the, the, the way we have it in Malachi is kodesh, okay, Adonai, asher ahav, uba'al bat el nikhar, yachret Adonai la'ish, asher yasin na'ir ve'onai. Um, As Yehuda, as so it says in the pasuk, as Yehuda, as, as Yehuda, in other words, the nation of Yehuda, the, the people of Yehuda, desecrated the holiness of Hashem, which He loved, and we're talking about Hashem, in other words, the, the the holy sanctuary which Hashem loved, and went and had relations with the daughter of a non-Jew, a non-Jewish nation. Hashem will cut off this person who does such a thing. I'm, I'm not directly translating word for word. I'm giving the main idea of the pasuk. Um, it is a little difficult to translate this one word for word. If this person engaging in them, and we learn from this pasuk that if this, or, or, or we do, um, derive through tradition from this pasuk that if this person engages in the promiscuous activity, um, uh, then he will, A, be cut off from the world to come. If he's a Jew, he will not have, he will not have the ability to be within the hachamim and, um, uh, teach and tell others what to do as a hacham. And he will not have he will not have any students answering him. And if he's a kohen, as it says in the continuation of the Pasuk, there will he will not have a magish min he will not have anybody um you know taking part in his position as a kohen or anybody Conforming with him in his position as a Kohen. And here you learn that somebody that has relations with a Goya is as though he married into, he married foreign worship, foreign idols or foreign worship. In other words, he, he, he completely, um, what we're trying to say here is that he completely went off the path, completely veered off Judaism. And it is as though he himself is, so to speak, worshipping foreign idols or, 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 or in fact intermarried with a foreign worship of sorts as it says in the pasuk um, and somebody um, in our pasuk sorry not in our pasuk it says um, uh, sorry yes in our pasuk it says that this person that had relations with a non-Jewish woman is as though he um, uh, it, it is compared to somebody having um, um, uh, doing Abu Dazara worshipping a foreign with a foreign form of worship um, and he is called this person the desecrator of the um, uh, sanctuary of God or uh, the holy of holies or the sanctuary or Kodesh as in the um, anything that is sanct this avon this transgression even though it doesn't um, the transgressor does not receive mitat bedin does not get um uh, is li- is not liable for mitat bedin to get um uh, death penalty 
it should not be light in your eyes. But rather it has some sort of um, loss. The person performing this act, he is liable in a way that none of the other people having relations with people that they're not allowed to have. Because a son that comes out of a person having um, seriously severe transgressive marital relations is still his son. And he will be considered part of the Jewish people. Even though he is a bastard. However, the son that comes out of a non-Jewish woman is not at all from the Jewish people and is not his son, as it says in the Pasuk, um, lest he or she, um, in, in, in the Pasuk it is in the masculine form, lest he um, uh, take away your son from me. Um, in other words, that when somebody brings a woman um, brings a child forth from a non-Jewish woman, he will be taking away that child from the Jewish people. And this thing causes us in, in the intermarriage with goyot and goyim, with etc. Um, uh, causes pe- causes um, people to befriend goyim and become close to goyim, and this is very, which is obviously very bad because Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Um, uh, split us or imparted us departed us from them um and here this person is um uh and obviously when somebody is very close to goyim um he will be less close to hakadosh baruch hu who has relations with a Jewish woman, if she's a married woman, he gets killed for her. And if she's not a married woman, then he does not get killed. However, a Jew, a male Jew who has relations with a non-Jewish female, whether she was below um, um, th- th- a, a three-year-old girl and above, which is the minimum age for relations to be considered valid relations, or she was an elder woman, elder above the age of twelve, whether she was married, whether she was not married, whether she, he was below um, a nine-year-old above the age of nine, which is the minimum age of relations, um, be, but he was below the age of thirteen, which he wasn't an adult. One, uh, or he was an adult, of course. Um, once he had relations with her on purpose, she um, has death penalty because she caused a Jew to have um, to have a takala on her on his hands. In other words, she caused the, uh, a Jew to transgress a transgression, and she's killed like a um, and her penalty is just like an animal, somebody that has relations with an animal. And it says in Parashat Matot, about when um, we, we caught the Midianite, sorry, the Moabiyot, um, and the, any Moabiyot that had, um, that had relations, previous marital relations, were killed um, because we didn't want them to have marital relations with the Jewish people. Now we're going to be discussing the laws of Abadim, the laws of slaves, um, and the relation to the Jewish people. So, non-Jewish slaves that were um, done tebilah on, tebilah is um, ritual bath, so they, I'm just going to use the, the Hebrew word tebilah, um, for the sake of entering abdut, for the sake of becoming slaves. And they 
received upon them the precepts which slaves are have to do. Um, so these people, they're not goyim, but they're not yet considered full-fledged Jews. And therefore, therefore a, a non-Jewish, a, a, a female slave that was not Jewish previously, that didn't yet become Jewish, although she did a tebila, the ritual bath, um, uh, she's a, a regular Jew that is not a slave, may not have relations with her. Um, whether her, whether she's his own shifha, whether she's his own slave, or she's the slave of his friend, and somebody somebody that has relations with a shifha gets makat mardut from rabbinic law. Continuation of halachayod alef she'alim meforash b'torah she'adonot and shifha kina anit la'abdu a'yuri vihim uteret lo she'nimar imadonav itain lo isha. As it says in the Torah, though, that the 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 slave owner may give this female non-Jewish slave. Um, uh, that was done to Bilaan to his Jewish slave to marry because she's considered partially Jewish in a certain sense, um, and she, because she's a slave, so she can marry the Jewish slave. Only disallowed this 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 situation if the shifha was previously married to somebody, in which case she would be not allowed to have marital relations with. And this transgression should not be light in your eyes because it doesn't have a um uh, light, you're not liable from it from scriptural law. Because also this causes the son that comes out of these relations to be not considered part of the Jewish people. Because the son that comes out of a shifha is considered a slave. And he's not considered Jewish. And it ends up that he's desecrating the um, uh, the posterity of Israel and causing them to be abadim. And also, furthermore, Ankelos, the translator of the Torah, the, the famous translator that translated the Torah into Aramaic in his time, and he was very, very. A very serious translator from the days of the Tanaim. He was like considered a sage in a certain sense. He was considered to be part of the rabbinic sages, and his targum was accepted by all the rabbis to be the official targum of the Torah into Aramaic. So he has a very serious translation, and so so what he says um, is is very important because all, every translation, in fact, is in so to, in a certain sense commentative. It has ex, it also explains certain things which aren't explainable otherwise in the other language while translating. So Ankelos um, translated that be'ilat that the relations that a person has with a um, and, and the children uh, with the Ivid and the Shifha with the slaves that are non-Jewish that are in, in, in that hiatus so to speak in between non-Jewish and Jewish they're not yet they're not really considered not Jewish but they're not really considered Jewish yet so this this transgression is considered by Ankelos to be like somebody having relations with a prostitute so it's very serious transgression and therefore it um, shouldn't be taken light in your eyes and in anybody's eyes somebody that has relations with a shifha with a non-Jewish slave female obviously um, even if he does it in public and even if while he's doing it people see him he does it in public of 10 or more Jewish males and even while he's doing this he's seen the kanaim do not have the permission to kill him. Also, if he married a shifha, he does not get malkut from scriptural law. Because once she did tebila and um, received upon her and accepted upon herself to do the certain misfot that, that women slaves have to do, she left her status as a non-Jewish woman. Although she's not fully considered Jewish, um, she's not 
not Jewish. And when and we will see a little later in these alachot that when these slaves um, finish their slavery and are let free, they have to accept upon themselves the, the full Jewish laws, and they're considered to be full-fledged proselyte Jews. If the child that came out of relations with a regular Jewish woman got mixed with a child that came out of relations with a shifha, with a slave, um, they are both safik. We're both we're unsure about their status. Of course, we're talking about the children when they were just newborns, and you weren't able to tell who is who belongs to who, who came out of who. And each one and both of them are considered to be maybe um, a slave, because the son of a slave is also considered a slave. The posterity of a slave is considered a slave, and therefore um, the slave owner must free both of them as though they were slaves and free them because we're not sure we can't obviously um, ha- obviously one of them is not a slave and therefore you have to free both of them because we, of the precarious situation and if the son one of these children was in fact the the son of the original slave owner, uh, slave owner making him himself in a certain sense, a slave owner, um, the owner of the slave. So they both free each other when they reach when they reach the age of ability to do so when they become mature. Um, and if the mix was a mix of two girls that got mixed up, and you don't know if, if who is who, and therefore they are both under the status of maybe being daughters of an avid in which case they themselves would be considered slaves, they would be shefahot. Um and somebody is, so they are safik shefahot, and they need obviously the same protocol, as was described with safik ayabid, um, which is a male, so they're female, same protocol. Vehabba, and somebody that, have, that has relations with one of them, the child that comes out of them, it's considered to be safik ayabid as well. Right. So also, if the child of a Jewish woman gets mixed up with the child of a non-Jewish woman, um, and we don't know who is who, then we have to do tebila on both of them. We ritually, uh, the ritual bath on both of them um, for gerut, and they're both considered now to be safek um, giorit. Safek, we're not sure if they're gerim, we're not sure if they're regular Jewish, regular Jews, um, and therefore, in, in this case, because of this, um, uh, a Kohen cannot marry them because of the suffix. Halacha Yudzain. Now, we, this, this, in this whole chapter, we were talking about, at the beginning of the chapter, we spoke about different Goyim from different nations. So really, there's an interesting scriptural law um, disallowing marriage or entrance into Judaism of certain Goyim from certain countries. So we will see that right in this, right now, what these different um, uh, transgressions or... or so all of the non-Jews, all the Goyim, once they are become Gerim, once they become proselytes, and they accept upon themselves all of the misvot of the Torah, as well, also slaves when they are let out free. They're considered all these are considered to be Jews in every which way, as it says in the pasuk. Um, it says in the pasuk, 
דפור פסוק, הקהל חוקה אחת לכם ולגר הגר חוקת עולם לדורותיכם, ככם כגר יהיה לפני אדוני. That a ger, in the פסוק it insinuates that a ger is just like a Jew in every sense of the word, except very few, which we will see a little bit later. And therefore they're considered to be part of the Jewish people immediately, they are allowed to intermarry into Judaism. And this is as long as this ger, this proselyte, or this freed slaves marries a woman that is not a Kohen now, that is not from, that is not Kohen, and that this, um, uh, that a, um, uh, Israelite marries a Giyoret and Meshuchreret, a, only Israelite and not Kohanim, marry these, marry the proselytes, Kohanim are not allowed to marry proselytes, um, they're only allowed to marry the sons, or sons of sons of proselytes. Hos, however, this is not include, this ex- excludes four nations alone, and, also, we will see at the end of the chapter what we what this if this exclusion is still in act in fact today. Except for Amon, Amon, Masraim, Egypt, Edom, the Edomites and the Moabites. Because from people that come from these nations that become getim, that become proselytes, they're considered proselytes in every which way another, in the sense that they are um, liable for whatever, for any transgressions, and they um, have accepted upon themselves to perform the Torah, and they have to perform the Torah, they have to keep up to that acceptance that they accepted upon themselves. However, they are not allowed to intermarry into the Jewish people, um, which is a very interesting thing. And what do they do, these people? Those two nations, the Ammonim and the Moabim, um, their isur of entering, their their disallowance of entering um, into the Jewish people, in other words, intermarrying with Jewish people, even after they did get gyud, even after they became proselytes, is forever. And this isur, this transgression, is only this um, disallowance is only on the males and not the females. Therefore, the females that became proselytes may marry, intermarry into into the Jewish people, as it says. In the pasuk, lo yabo amoni amoni umoabi. In the pasuk, it says in the male, it doesn't use it doesn't use feminine. It uses only the masculine. Vahalachal b'shem yisinai shamoni hazachar v'amoabi hazachar hu shasu leolam disabit. And it's halachal b'shem yisinai in tradition that all the way from Moshe Rabbeinu in Har Sinai that only amoni zachar and only moabi zachar masculine are the ones that are disallowed to marry intermarry into Jewish into the Jewish people. Afilu ben ben beno. Even his son of it, the son of his son of his son of his son of his son are disallowed to enter the, the Jewish people all the way till the end of time. Um, however, a woman that comes from this nation may intermarry immediately. Um, right. Egyptians and Edomites are that become proselytes that they are not allowed to intermarry into Jewish people for the first three generations. From the third, sorry, for the first two generations, the third generation is already allowed. Only, as it says in the Patsuk, that only the third generation of children that are born to them may enter Jewish the Jewish people. A pregnant Egyptian woman that was done Giyuran, usually a woman that does is done Giyuran, yeah, okay, sorry, sorry, a pregnant Jewish woman that is, a pregnant Egyptian woman that is done Giyuran, her child, her, the, the 
kid that kid that is born after she was done Giyuran is considered to be Sheni, second second generation, and the kid that, and this kid's kid would be allowed to already intermarry into Judaism. A second generation proselyte Egyptian or um, uh, Edomite or Egyptian that marries a second generation, that marries a first generation proselyte, or vice versa, right? Um, the, chi- they, the child that comes out of them is only considered second generation because we go according to um, the Leda. What do we mean by according to the Leda? In other words, that both for both parents, the child has to be second, third generation in order so that he could enter the Jewish people. And once one of the parents is first generation, the kid is considered to be second generation. We go backwards a generation because of that. A proselyte from the Ammonim that had married with a proselyte Egyptian, the child is Ammoni. We go after the father. Um, in who this child belongs to, who this child is considered as. And vice versa. A proselyte Egyptian that marries an Ammonit, the child it goes after the father and he's Egyptian. So what happens if a, in the first case, get Ammonit, a proselyte Ammonit that married an Egyptian woman, and we said the child is Ammonit, it means that he can never enter the Jewish people, unless, he, unless as a male, their posterity can never enter the Jewish people forever. Um, all the males of the coming out, coming forth from this child. However, a Misri, a male Egyptian that marries a female Edomite, a female Ammonite, Ammonite, um, the child is considered Misri, and therefore, after that, the third generation, he could already enter um, the Jewish people, enter intermarry with with the Jewish people, even though his mother, even though his mother is an Ammonite. And this is the, the guiding rule for these halachot. Um, a child in the nations is considered, in the Gentile nations, is considered, is, goes after his father in whatever we consider him to be considered. Um, very interesting, because considering, considering the fact that in Judaism it is upside down, we, we consider the child to be Jewish if the, only if his mother is Jewish, not if his father is Jewish. We don't care about his father being Jewish. I mean, we care about his father being Jewish, but that halakhically speaking, obviously, it's only the mother that chooses. However, in the Goyim, it's the opposite in the nations. Nidgeiru holechahar hapahut. However, if um, uh, um, uh, this, they, they, they did giyur, then we go after the pahut, pahut meaning the less good, in the sense that um, uh, we go up to their parents to the to the least good of their parents. So if one of their parents was a better, had a better family tree than the second, then we go by the second, the one who has the least good family tree. So let's say together yeah, the second generation, Misri marries a first generation, um, uh, a first generation Edomi. So as we explained, you go according to the first generation, we consider their son, their posterity to be second generation, even though one of the parents is second generation, we don't consider the posterity to be third generation, but we go back to the less good um, uh, in the sense of family tree-wise. Halakha continuation, halakha kaf gimel, sorry, halakha kaf bet. There were seven nations that we were um, uh, told to conquer. Okay, that we were ordered by God to conquer in Israel. There were seven nations. Actually, there were ten nations. In any way, there were seven nations. Seven of the Canaanite nations that lived in Israel before the Jewish people came to Israel. Before the Jewish people conquered Israel, Yoshua bin Nun. 
Um, and these seven nations are not disallowed upon us to marry from scriptural law once they've become proselytes. However, and it is known that the only nation of them that ended up becoming proselytes is the full nation with the Gib'onim. Uh, in, in the book of Yoshua. And Joshua, the prophet and the leader of the time, um, uh, decreed that they cannot intermarry into Jewish people because they did. there was some sort of scandal where they, um, uh, so to speak, um, did some sort of uh, improper transaction with the Jewish people, causing some... I'm not going to get into the story. Because of certain actions that they did, Yehoshua... Um, uh, made a decree that they cannot intermarry into Israel, so only the Gib'onim. However, the rest of the seven nations can. Um, Yehoshua's decree against entering, intermarrying, um, uh, one moment, with the Gib'onim, is in condition that there's better Mikdash, as it says in the Pasuk, and you will be the lumberjacks and water um, uh, water bringers of the house of God. Therefore, they are only disallowed upon the Jewish people when there is a house of God. However, when there's no house of God, in other words, better Mikdash, they are not disallowed upon the Jewish people. Um, these give onim. And this is what we call netinim. Um, in, I would literally translate it as given, people that are given, because they are given to the work of Beit HaMikdash. Continuation of Halakha Kaf Gimel. David HaMelech made a further, um, progressed in this um, uh, disallowance of marrying the Gibonim. I believe it's the Gibonim, and it may be this, one of the seven Amamim, it may be the, all of the seven nations. I, According to my understanding of these Halakhot, it is the Gibonim. If somebody disagrees with me, I would love to hear the disagreement in the comments, please. So, David made a further decree that they will not be able to intermarry into Israel forever, even without the Bedamikdash. And as it says in the Pasuk and Ezra, and from the Nitinim, those people that were disallowed to enter only um, in the Bedamikdash, that um, David and the ministers put upon to put to help the Levites in the work. And from here we see that they didn't help the Levite. We see here that they didn't um, condition them to be considered Netinim only when Bet HaMikdash is around. We don't see Bet HaMikdash mentioned in this Pasuk. Why did David and his Betin and his court make this further decree on these people? Right, and this this um explains also the, this some uh, furthers my opinion that it was the Gibonim. From here we say that it was the Gibonim, not all seven Amamim. Um, because we saw, because in the days of Shaul Melech, David Melech saw that they had very, they were very very um azim and achzarim. They were very um uh, um. Uh, one moment. Because they were very arrogant and cruel. So David Melech saw when they were very arrogant and cruel in the story of Shaul Melech. Shaul Melech was hung and they didn't want to let him take Shaul Melech and his children off the, off from being hang, hung, from where they were hung. Um, uh, and they... So, so, so as a result of some sort of this, this cruelty that is... and it, it is, I'm not going to get into the whole story. that The story is mentioned in Shemuel Bet the 21st chapter, um, uh, so 
that is why David Melch furthered this decree forever, whether or not there is Beit Hamikdash. Um, now the Salacha regards the validity and relevance of these halachot in our days, of the previous five, six, seven halachot that we mentioned about the different nations and intermarrying, certain specific nations that are allowed or disallowed to intermarry into Israel, if they, of course, became proselytes. So when Sanhariv, the king of Assyria, um, uh, went, came up, he mixed up all the nations um, into one with another and took them out of their places and so just changed the whole demographics. And these Egyptians that are now in the land of Egypt are different people than the Egyptians that were the decree was on. And also the Edomites that are in the place of Edom. The, graph, the geographic place of Edom does not contain the Edomites of that the decree the scriptural decree was on. And because these four nations that are disallowed to enter the Jewish people, to intermarry with the Jewish people, even if they became proselytes, um, because they are mixed in all the nations, and all the nations are mixed up, um, they are, um, and, all in, and most of the nations, and, and, and obviously all the nations are more than these four nations, um, most and in in, in we reach a case in which most of the nations are allowed. So, because most are allowed, we allowed everything because we don't know who is who. Whoever comes out of all this big mix of nations to become a proselyte and later on intermarry, um, we consider him and later on marry Jewish people. We consider him that he came out of most of the people which are mostly allowed, and we don't consider him to have come out of the four disallowed nations. Therefore, when somebody doesn't matter who, from doesn't matter from where, becomes a proselyte these days, he's immediately he or she is immediately allowed to intermarry into Jewish into the Jewish people. And with this, we conclude the chapter. Baruch Adonai Amin